Hey guys, Andrea Gazzetta here. I don't know if you can tell my voice, but I'm hella sick. But you know what else is sick? Uh, savings in my shop right now. Fucking sick, bro. Uh, if you go to andreagazzetta.com, I am going to be extending the sale until December 10th. So 20% off everything in my shop, including prints and originals. Um, the reason I'm doing that is because I've been slowly restocking prints as they sell out and I want to give everyone the opportunity to get the things that they want at a reduced price. Um, if you saw something in my shop and then it was gone, go ahead and check back. Uh, feel free to message me if there's something that you want. The turnaround time on those, uh, G-Clay prints is pretty decent, so as long as you order before December 10th, I should be able to get you anything you need. Also, if this is a gift for someone, please just leave a note and I would be happy to gift wrap it. It's not a problem at all. So um, thank you guys so much for all your support. It literally is the only reason I can keep doing what I'm doing and I appreciate and love you so much. Okay, I love you. Bye. Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... A bright blue wall full of light bulbs. <laughs> That's right, everybody. We're still covering the life and times of Kanye Omari West. And this is our second episode. It is a banger of an episode. I absolutely love it. Uh, and I know that you will too before we get into it. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash podcast. Um, I believe last episode we had an advertisement for Andrea's uh, uh, show, or, or not show, but uh, sale. Is that correct? Yes, and there'll be another one, I think, on this one because she is extending the sale. Gotcha. So you should have already heard that. Yay! Absolutely. Go ahead and shop. All that stuff is so fucking fantastic, and you absolutely want to grab some. Uh, and yeah, I guess without any further ado, let's hop into the show. Hello. Hello. I just want to sit in my car and kind of have my creative <laughs> process. Uh, hello, bitch. <laughs> Luda. Luda. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships and organizations that actively recruit new members all cults might have some or all of these traits and as always these, these are, are our opinions, opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm A to the AO, R to the Rizzo, M to the Mizzo, uh, A to the AO again, N to the Nizzo, D to the Dizzo. Oh, Foshizi Vanizi Arvando in the Heezy. Wow, that's hard. That's hard to do with a long name. That is hard to do. And can you use that in a sentence, please? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Uh, <laughs> the most annoying thing that can be said in a sentence is A to the AO, R to. I'm not going to do it again, but. <laughs> yeah, it was like, that, it, took, I, it was really funny when you started it, and I was like, he forgot how long his own name is. Okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> you really don't remember that you got seven whole motherfuckers in there until you start. 
<laughs> Until you try to be a Jay-Z. I was like, he's going for the full Armando, not just Mondo. Okay, all uh, right, all right, all right. Yeah, it would have been a lot easier. Uh, welcome, everybody. We are back with episode two of our uh, series on Kanye West, a.k.a. Yeezus, a.k.a. Ye, a.k.a. Omari, a.k.a. Yeezy. Um, and the a- Y is for phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> yep yep uh before we jump into it uh we've got some sources we've got raising kanye by dr donda west uh, uh a very interesting book we've got the netflix documentary gene yus uh spelled j-e-e-n dash y-u-h-s uh, we have a biography on Kanye West written by Audrey Boris and Douglas Lynn. We also have multiple tweets and interview quotes and um, court documents. Uh, ab- <laughs> about Gotta love court documents. <laughs> yeah, about or featuring Kanye himself. Uh, I also wanted to take a second. I know we talked about it at the end of last week's episode. Um it's hard to talk about Kanye's art and not be like, damn, that shit rocks, because it fucking rocks. But we also want to make it clear that I don't, I can't enjoy the music anymore. Like, I can objectively be like, this is good. But Kanye has effectively made it impossible for me to just be like, damn, this is a song I can just listen to because he has become this anti Semitic piece of shit always in the news cycle trying to do awful things agreeing with trump and like just a plethora of bullshit so there's probably I mean, gonna be hey charles manson had some songs that slapped too <laughs> like you know <laughs> did, I ever, saying. did i ever tell you the time that i was at a party and it was a whole bunch of people with on uh, that were on drugs and i thought it was a funny idea if i started <laughs> playing charles manson and people were like this is pretty good what is this and i went this is Look charles manson <laughs> Uh, so everyone's putting out their like end of the year Spotify list and stuff. And there's one that does it kind of like a Coachella count, like a Mm -hmm. Coachella announcement. And one of them came up and Charles Manson was on one. And I was like, (laughs) how much Charles Manson are you listening to? Like, I get it. I understand. Some of it's not bad, but, but it's, that's the, it's not bad for being Charles Manson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not like, hey, it's not bad considering that it's not Taylor Swift. Like, no, it's not bad considering he was a crazy person who is arguably partially responsible for a lot of deaths. Oh, you're a Charles Manson fan? Name five of his murder victims. All right. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, he didn't kill anybody with his own hands, yeah, but with yeah, ideas, yeah. many. Yeah, anyway. he's, <laughs> I mean, basically, where we're living in, in the present time, Kanye doesn't even make his own beats anymore or write his own lyrics. So he pretty much is the Charles Manson of hip hop. Um, just go ahead and throw that on the list. Right next to <laughs> Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. <laughs> he's... I mean, would you say that in this story, white supremacy and anti-Semitism is perhaps the funky potato? <laughs> yes. I will. Yes, I unfortunate. will say that. Unfortunate. Oh. Looks bad for potatoes everywhere. So last week we covered the always challenging and sometimes overtly sexual childhood of Kanye Omari West. 
I forgot about the overtly sexual, but you have to include it, yes. Yes, absolutely. From kicking teachers over fashion in China, which is, again, a thing he did. To she create- didn't kick people in general. Unless you're playing soccer, in which case, yes. go ahead. Whoa, whoa, no, hold on. I, don't, I still don't think you're supposed to kick people. <laughs> Can I tell you how much more I would watch soccer if soccer players just occasionally, the ball's on the other side of the field and they're just running and kicking each other in the shins, <laughs> not even trying to go after the ball? That would make me watch the World Cup. Just put it out there. I haven't thought about it before, but I think there's like, out of all of the sports, I think there's only one where you are allowed to kick, and it is kickboxing. There are, oh, there are very few other sports where they allow you to just kick each other. And I think we got to change that. <laughs> yeah, right? You, like, how much more entertaining would baseball be if instead of tagging you at third base, they just kick you between the legs? <laughs> how much better would it be if instead of sliding into home plate, he just fucking drop kicked you? Just square <laughs> in the chest. I mean, I don't think you understand how much cooler tennis would be with roundhouse <laughs> kicks. Uh, or hockey. If you want to kick somebody in hockey, you got to do like a triple soft cow or whatever. If you want to kick somebody in hockey, you will be tried <laughs> for a, a felony assault. <laughs> I forgot about the foot blades. Anyway, continue. <laughs> I forgot about the foot knives. <laughs> Sorry, oh. I'm in a silly mood today. <laughs> oh, no, I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. From kicking teachers over fashion in China to creating a Super Mario ripoff where this time the pipe enters you. Uh, we saw how his mother helped enable and sort of build uh, the world's perfect narcissist. Today, we are going to focus on the beginning of Kanye's musical career. And there is a lot of terms that you could use to describe Kanye, like uh, egotistical, narcissistic, uh, rap game Ray Romano. There's just a plethora of ways that you could describe him. The Tom Cruise of the shoe industry? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The Tom Cruise of the shoe industry. Weirdly ugly and way too small for me. (laughs) Oh, he cares about shoes because he's a lot closer to the ground. <laughs> but but if you asked Kanye to describe Kanye, he'd probably use the word persecuted. I mean, he would, I don't, it wouldn't be at the top of his list. The top of his list would probably be like genius spelled with a J, Jesus spelled with a G, and then like Messiah spelled with eight Ys. Sorry, I'm, I'm still reeling from Jesus. <laughs> uh, Unless Jesus. he meant G as in like he's the O-Jesus. <laughs> the original Jesus. <laughs> O-G, original Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that's the new name for that segment where we figure out who else was claiming to be Jesus at the same time. See, people thought he was up on a cross, but he was actually in cross trainers. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Uh, It's actually illegal to kick people when you're being crucified. Did you know that? (laughs) I'm sorry. I pictured it. I, I pictured him just getting a Roman soldier in the face. <laughs> just, <laughs> it yeah. was, oh. Arms already up. Just Yeah, just father, forgive them for they know not what they shoe. And just like, <laughs> oh, oh, 
good gravy. Oh, my God. So it's probably... Kicking is about to be the, the winner of this episode. <laughs> it's probably more evident now in present day uh, that Kanye has a huge persecution complex. Um, and while some of it is valid, most of it is pure delusion. But where did this idea that the industry has it out for him come from? I think the best way to establish Kanye's career-long stance of Kanye versus everybody is by covering the story surrounding his debut album. Nice. After graduating from high school in 1995, Kanye, which by the way, is a year before my mother. I did not realize that. I did not realize... It's 11 years before I graduated, and I honestly had not thought about how old Kanye was until right now when I'm like, well, of course he's got shitty opinions. Yeah, he's <laughs> almost 50. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course he's got shitty opinions. He's Which 45. Is, that's unfair of me because I definitely saw Green Day last summer and them 50-year-olds were running around a stage not shouting white supremacist <laughs> things. So it's not exclusive to the age. Yeah, pretty much the opposite, really, for yeah. Green Day. <laughs> yeah, you could not get more opposite, really. <laughs> so after graduating from high school in 1995, Kanye earned a scholarship to Chicago's American Academy of Art, where he began taking painting classes. Um, yeah, and boy, have we learned a lot about egomaniacs who just don't fit in at art school, huh? Get out of my brain. <laughs> you know that guy kicks people, too. Uh, that's where the goose step came from. This is just, it's all lining up. People kicking people, people getting thrown out of school for their paintings being subpar. It's just, <laughs> you know, we really shouldn't have been surprised. After he realized that art really wasn't his thing, uh, he transferred to Chicago State University to study English. Um, you know, the school where his mommy worked as an English professor mm, and uh -huh, served uh -huh. as the chair of the entire English department. Uh -huh. Yeah, if you're not picking up what we're putting down, speculation zone, I think Kanye just was there for an easy A, if I'm being Lil for real. Little nepotiz. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Little nepotizzy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In reality, it didn't matter what he was studying because Kanye's true passion was still making music. And yeah, he didn't have money for beats, but he was getting pretty good at making his own. And studio time was expensive, but he could also just trade his leftover beats for time in the booth. And the more beats he made, the better he got, and the more people decided to hit him up. And suddenly Kanye made a realization. All this school bullshit was getting in the way of his dream, and if he was ever going to make it as a full-time rap superstar, he needed to have his head in the game 24-7. So in 1997, at the age of 20, he dropped out of college. See, here's where I'm going to devil's advocate a little bit. Uh, I think we as a society have put a lot of focus on college being the way to be successful and it is not for everybody yeah. and we should destigmatize the idea of not going going to college because there are options and you know some people shouldn't go i think maybe he is probably one of them yeah and you know what as somebody who also didn't go to college and doesn't regret it for a second i you don't need it you don't need it for a lot of like you don't need it for certain stuff. You do need it for certain other things. And obviously, Dr. Donda, his mother, 
uh, <laughs> head of the English department, uh, was a little devastated. But in her own words, uh, she had always taught her son to, quote, have the guts to embrace who you are rather than following the path society has carved out for you, end quote, which uh, in this case isn't always the best advice with Kanye West. But she also said in that quote uh, that there are some jobs college just won't prepare you for. And that's true. That's true. That is true. Yeah, not everyone has to go to college. She also, I mean, the full quote is actually really nice where she talks about how, like, the generation that she grew up in college was the way to sort of like prove that you were the same as white people if that makes Mm. sense they were like oh of course yeah it's education it's like a physical paper that's like we're the same uh but as time has gone on she's basically like come around on that and realize that like you don't have to go to college college isn't the only way to prove that you are successful or smart or educated or whatever you know so yeah, I mean, it, it can be a status symbol, 100%. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, yeah, that makes total sense to me. Yes. Fucking study of romances. What are you doing, dog? That's a fucking fancy uh, paperweight. That, And I literally mean it's a paperweight. It's just dead weight. <laughs> and you spend very heavy. hundreds of thousands of dollars to get it. Hey, I'm one of the only people I know who uses my degree, and I use it in the dumbest way. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah, you paid thousands of dollars for me to learn how to analyze films so that I could do it multiple times a week for people who still yell at me about whether Terminator is a horror movie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why you do it. You kick them. You kick them. You give them a little <laughs> robot kick. kick. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you know, but Terminator doesn't really kick. But maybe if you did be more interesting movie is that what you're trying to say (laughs) i think you'd have a lot more opportunities for hilarious foley that's Uh, what i'm gonna say i thought what you were saying is like look terminator is already a nine maybe a ten but if you add kicking oh boy 11 bro 11 bro (laughs) so with a little help from his mom and a few long shifts as a telemarketer Kanye scraped together enough to live while spending every single night cranking out beat after beat. Also, uh, given what we know about his love for porn, I'm sure he spent a lot of time cranking and beating. Ayo, yeah, of course. Yes. Also, the, I, I saw you the make the kicking a f- of the hand world. <laughs> what do <are> you? <laughs> no, I guess it'd be slapping, huh? Whatever. Yes, you know that foot jobs exist, right? Like it's not. Unfortunately, I do, but it seems not very efficient. <laughs> what they're worried about they're worried that people people with foot fetishes are looking for the most efficient way to come that's i mean this is me clearly not having a foot fetish being like that would take forever right (laughs) do you know how sore my hips would get damn yeah just here's the thing babe i want you to kick it but like sexy style (laughs) Oh my oh. god! I also I, I saw you make a face, and I did I did want to touch on it for just a second. Uh, Kanye was a telemarketer, and I could not imagine a worse telemarketer. <laughs> than Kanye That's exactly was. what I was thinking. I was like, "What would that be like?" <laughs> oh, oh my god! Okay, uh, let, here, uh, 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 
I'm Kanye West. I'm calling you on the phone. I'm a telemarketer. I'm selling vacuums, uh, which, by the way, is a job that his father used to have. Go door to door selling vacuums where this is just a side note. I don't even know why I'm bringing it up. His dad's uh, trick for selling vacuums was he would put a penny on the floor and then he would use the vacuum to suck it up. And then he would take out a second penny that he had bent sort of at the edge to prove how powerful the vacuum was. Wow. Okay. I mean, that's working smarter, not harder. That's I'm a just solid grift. That's a solid grift. Solid grift. grift. Um, I've been watching Workaholics all day. Mm-hmm. And in my brain, I'm like, they're terrible telemarketers. Mm-hmm. But the only person I think that might be worse <laughs> is Kanye West. Yeah. Because the second someone was like, no, I don't want to buy it, he'd be like, well, fuck you then. Yeah, yeah that's what I was going to say. Yeah, the second... The second anyone like tries to be like, I don't know that I need a vacuum. And he's like, you don't got the answers, customer. All right. You don't, you don't deserve this vacuum. I'm serving up premium vacuums and you don't even understand. You aren't even on my level. I am on a different planet full of vacuum nuclear energy and you can't even connect. Do you know how many pennies I've bent? Huh? <laughs> Do you have any idea? <laughs> Approximately 758 pennies an hour. (laughs) I'm fucking burning through $8 every goddamn hour. Oh, man. Oh, Jesus Christ. By the time he was a year into his full-time grind, Kanye had already been picked up by a series of managers and agents uh, with increasingly fake-sounding names. Oh, no. No. All All right, start at the most legitimate sounding and let's work our way through them. (laughs) All of these people are real. Uh, But, 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 (laughs) I'm sorry. All of these people are real, but let's just start at the top. We have people like uh, Happy Lewis. Um, Okay, okay. We have a man whose name is Hip Hop Joshua. Why does he sound like a DJ for bar mitzvahs only? <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks for hiring me. I'm Hip Hop Joshua. I'm here to make sure we all have a great time. L'chaim. Like, why? No, 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 no. Hip-hop women stay Joshua. over there. Over there, women. We're not mixing yet. <laughs> Envelopes on this table. Um, oh, Hip Hop Joshua. <laughs> It's me, Comedy Page. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, but we also have my personal favorite, a man by the name of Johnny Monopoly. Of the Manhattan Monopolies? <laughs> yeah. Of say. the Park Place Monopolies? <laughs> of the Pass Go Monopoly? Hey, 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 I'm not no silver spoon motherfucker. My family didn't pass go and collect $200 every time, all right? His his side business is that he also owns the electric company. <laughs> Johnny Monopoly sounds like the fall guy they invented for the McMillian scandal. Like, he was supposed to go down. Absolutely. He also sounds like an, an older person mispronouncing a Greek person's name. Ah, what was that? Your name is Johnny, Johnny Monopoly. Monopoly. I had uh, a friend uh, when I was doing community theater. Her name was uh, Athena Giannopoulos. <laughs> and 
people like so many times would be like a Athena Monopoly. <laughs> She's just like, sure. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> what was that? Your name's Johnny Monopoly. I don't care. Give me that dessert. What do you call it? The back lava? Back ba- balaclava? <laughs> the balaclava. God, I, I love baklava. Dude, baklava so is good. so fucking good. I could, I, the moment I mentioned it, I wanted it and I want it. I know. I was like, oh, fuck. I have pecan pie. That's close. Uh, <laughs> pecan pie, the American baklava. The American baklava. <laughs> so realizing that his beats were worth more than just money, uh, Kanye came up with a plan that would hopefully help him land a record deal. He was going to move to New York, use his beats to get his foot in the door, and then show off his music to anyone that would listen. And it kind of worked. Within a matter of months, Kanye was producing tracks for hip-hop legends like Nas, Eminem, Raekwon, Most Def, and Talib Kweli. His beats even helped Foxy Brown become the first woman in history to debut a hip-hop album at the top of the Billboard 200 chart. And don't forget about Reggaeton Jose. (laughs) (laughs) Who could forget about Reggaeton Jose? (laughs) The best, the best quinceanera DJ on the east side of Los Angeles. (laughs) Okay, boys and boys and girl actually mix, get right up next to each other immediately. Everyone's getting pregnant tonight, baby. Don't worry, they can't get that close because those dresses are big. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Oh, Jesus Christ. And eventually, uh, all of those songs made their way to a rapper by the name of Jay-Z. Of the Manhattan (laughs) Jay-Z's? Of the Park Places. Carters, the the, the Manhattan Carters, yes. Uh, Jay-Z was getting ready to record his masterpiece album, The Blueprint. An album Mm -hmm. that is regarded by most as the best thing to drop on September 11th, 2001. (laughs) You know what? Not a long list. It's it's that, (laughs) Twin Towers, Charges Against Paula Poundstone. (laughs) Not many things dropped on that day. Yeah, it's it's not a bit either, by the way. The album dropped just a few hours before the 9-11 attack. And it still debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 chart and held that spot for three weeks straight. I mean, yeah, that I mean, I it was a groundbreaking album. I do remember. Oh that. yeah, yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. The problem is, it wasn't a steel beam breaking album, so we still don't know. <laughs> how Kanye's beats can't melt steel beams. Look, the rhymes were hot, but they weren't that hot. You know what I'm saying, Johnny Monopoly? Okay, I'm done. I'm done with that bit. I'm sorry. Uh, Now, the story behind this album is pretty fucking nuts. Uh, But, I mean, any story involving Jay-Z is usually pretty wild. Um, Real cult podcast heads might remember a running joke that we had on the show for a while where we reminded you that... Jay-Z stabbed a guy. That is right. Jay- now, we reminded you to never forget that Jay-Z never forget stabbed a guy. <laughs> Jay-Z stabbed a guy. Which, by the way, as we were getting ready to do this episode today, because the way we do the show, if you, you've been around, you know, one of us researches, the other one's going in pretty blind. 
And so as we were starting the show, Armando was like, oh, yeah, Jay-Z is in this one. And I don't know if you know this, but he's nuts. And I was like, of course I know this. He stabbed <laughs> he a guy. Stabbed that's, a one guy. Of, that's one of a very short list of things that I know about Jay-Z that informs my opinion of him. He stabbed a guy. He cheated on Beyonce, but also produced some fucking hits. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, he sure did. Assault. Well, at the time that he recorded this album... He was on trial for stabbing that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. In case you're like, in case you're newer to the show and you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, this was in, fuck, I wish I had it in front of me. I want to say it's like. Oh, this was like three years ago. (laughs) No, 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 no. This was in, this, uh, this was in like 2000. Maybe 1999. I'm pretty sure it was 2000. Oh, you mean when he stabbed a guy? I thought you meant when we did it on the show. I was like, yeah, that episode. This is like 200. Oh, yeah, episodes yeah, yeah, ago. yeah, 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 yeah. This was year. This was years ago. In case, so in case you don't know what we're talking about, I believe uh, it's the Nuwabian movement episode. Yeah, I think you're right because that's where we brought him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, right now. I'm pretty sure the episode is called Jay Z Stabbed a Guy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, uh, yes, <laughs> yes, it was. Um, I'm impressed with my own memory right now. Um, until later when I forget to do laundry. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, so in uh, I think it was 1999 or 2000, uh, Jay Z suspected that one of his record producers uh was taking his uh masters sending them to a bootlegger and then selling bootleg copies of his music and so he had his crew start a commotion in a nightclub in new york city which he used to walk up real close to him and reportedly did some fucking gangster shit where he was like you disappointed me Ah, and then fucking stabbed him a bunch of yep. times with basically a shiv. Just I mean, fucking crazy. Jay-Z uh, would plead guilty to that felony assault just a month after this album dropped, uh, but his lawyers were able to get the sentencing down to just three months probation. Oh my god! Did the the guy lived? Correct. Oh yeah, guys, correct? guys, yeah, guys. He fine. didn't die. Yeah, guys, fine. And I'm pretty sure the guy apologized to Jay Z. But then he put out like a whole album about <laughs> how, like a visual album about how Jay Z stabbed yeah, him, yeah. but they were still gonna make it work. Yeah, it was called Pink Lemonade, and it was pink because of the blood. Because <laughs> of the blood in it. it. Yeah. yeah. But that's not all. While he recorded this album, uh, he was also awaiting trial for a felony gun possession charge. Uh, Correct. And he was in the middle of beefs with a ton of famous rappers, including, at the same time, Jadakiss, Fat Joe, Prodigy, and most notably, Nas. In 2001, Jay-Z was, factually speaking, the most commonly dissed rapper in the game. Yes. And... I believe part of that weapons charge informs uh, that verse in 99 problems where he yeah. talks about knowing his rights and being able to keep things like the, the, the like uh, glove compartments locked. And so is the trunk. Yeah. yeah that's a yeah. <laughs> 99 problems is a fucking great song. And my favorite part about it is that entire verse where it's just him knowing his rights in a traffic stop. That is Yes. Fully the entire point of that uh, verse, and I fucking love it. 
So this is the man who tapped Kanye West to help him produce his album in 2001. He had fallen in love with Ye's soul-centric sample-heavy beats and also heard how quick he was at whipping them up. And that second part was important because the entirety of the blueprint was recorded in just two weeks. Holy shit! Yeah, apparently, what? <laughs> apparently Jay-Z recorded the bulk of the album, which uh, the album is 13 songs, so he recorded nine of those 13 songs in just two days. Holy shit. Yeah. That's unheard of. It is some crazy shit. I mean, there are, there are very few other rappers that I feel like could do that. Like, Lil Wayne does that consistently, where he'll just make an album over the course of, like, a couple of days. Um, I feel like the results are not quite as solid though that is it is that yeah is like little wayne is little wayne is able to work so fast because he just freestyles he just goes in and he says a bunch of shit he does like four takes they take the best one and then they put that out jay-z wrote all of his shit had all of these beats and then recorded most of them and then let everyone do his shit and then was like cool haha i'm gonna go wait for my gun trial (laughs) bye (laughs) but i mean the equivalent is Like, think about, I'm trying to think of, like, another album that's that famous and and trying to think about that being made in a couple days. And I I can't find anything even remotely close. Like, that'd be like the Beatles' Abbey Road being recorded in two weeks. Like, that's nuts. It's insane. It's, it is, it's... It's fucking crazy, and as I've mentioned before, the album was a hit. I mean, it was many publications' album of the year. It has been named as Album of the Decade by several critics, and it was even selected to be the first entry of the 21st century into the U.S. National Recording Registry by the Library of Congress because of how pivotal it was to American culture. And it was recorded in two weeks. I'm pulling up a track list right now, just in case people don't know. And and, and I also like that he no 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 hold on he I want subsequent to... albums as Blueprint one two and three yeah I mean that's pretty famous in hip hop. Little Wayne has the Carter one two three four five and I think six now. Uh, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. a thing that people used to do. Also, Paige, I'm so glad that you've looked up the track list for this album. Yes, of course. Can you go course. ahead and read the exact titles of every one of those songs for me? Uh, in order? Wait, hold on. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong thing. There's one I cannot read. No, that's the one I want you to read. Uh, can you go ahead and can you can you go ahead and give me track five? Yeah, no, uh, no, I cannot. Can you go? Uh, it would be Jigga that cannot say. I kind of cut out there a little bit, Paige. What was? <laughs> it's it's a word I can't say. <laughs> I'm, I apologize. That's right. That's right. Um, anyway, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's a fucking crazy, crazy, crazy album. Probably one of the, uh, most notable songs that prob that everyone knows is Izzo, which is the song like H yep. to the Izzo, so, B to the Izzo, full cheesy, my easy, yes. keep my arms so breezy. I don't think those are the lyrics, but yeah. And then track number five, which again, page is. Uh, Jigga that friend from the neighborhood. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the aspects of the album everyone loved most 
was the soulful use of samples. It was so different from most of Jay-Z's radio-friendly discography and also from the sound of mainstream hip-hop at the time. The Blueprint's success helped Kanye skyrocket from notable beatmaker to one of the most celebrated producers in hip-hop at the time. And side note, it's also worth noting that if you look up the blueprint, uh, a lot of places like Wikipedia will mention that this album was critical in revitalizing Jay-Z's career. Um, what they don't mention is that the source for this is from a 2019 deposition given by Kanye West <laughs> as he was trying to sue Jay-Z and his record label. <laughs> Of course, of course. Yeah, but we'll get more into the downfall of Kanye later. I just wanted to put that out there because I kept trying to find a source for like, who's Kanye is revitalizing his career? It seems like his career was going pretty... Oh. oh. Okay. All right. K to the is A, N to the Y is Y. <laughs> With his sound in high demand and wanting to recreate the Blueprint success with their other artists, Jay-Z's Rockefeller Records hired Kanye as an in-house producer. Just four years after dropping out of college, Kanye was working with artists like Ludacris, Cam'ron, Alicia Keys, and even Janet fucking Jackson. I just want to point out, so this is early 2000s. Early 2000s Ludacris is the best Ludacris. Oh, yeah. It's also the best Alicia Keys. And it's also Janet Jackson had hits during that time. That was like her revival with uh, It's All For You and a handful of other songs that were also phenomenal. There are so many number one hits in that list you just listed off that like no wonder, no wonder he becomes the celebrated artist even before his solo stuff comes out a hundred percent also if you I, I hate that i keep doing this but if you ever watch genius uh there is a scene with Ludacris in it where <laughs> kanye goes to the studio because he's trying to get Ludacris on a song and basically uh Ludacris is missing and kanye is like where the fuck is this guy and they find him and he's just sitting in the driver's seat of his car just sitting there alone and they come over to him and he just goes yeah i just kind of like to be alone you know when i'm like writing my my music like i just sort of like want to be in the creative process um just sort of like take everything in and like you know do it on my own time and they're like yeah yeah 100 100 percent. just let us know when you're ready and he gets back in the studio and he's like all right i'm ready to do this i've like thought everything out i feel good about my lyrics let's do this <clears throat> luda what's up bitch and just starts fucking <laughs> much uh i love that now he's just focused on being a good dad to his four daughters and <laughs> learning how to cook that's one of my favorites but also i don't know if you remember and i don't remember which roast it was but some friends of ours wrote for Ludacris on a roast <laughs> and i think something was missed in communication somewhere where Ludacris did not understand that after he told his jokes, people were also going to tell jokes about him and people had to like talk him down to be like, Hey man, it's all for fun. Go, please sit back down. 
Yeah, yeah, it was uh, the roast of Justin Bieber. and I That's think, what it was. <laughs> I think it was Pete Davidson, ironically, who was the one who hurt Ludacris the most. I, I think so, and, and I think as a result, some of the people that we know who have written for Pete uh, were some of the ones who had to talk Ludacris down, I think, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Oh, my oh, God. Man. Uh, the point is, is that without a doubt, Kanye was at the height of his career as a producer. But the thing is, he never set out to just be a producer. Because, mm-hmm. sure, he had accolades. He had awards. He, he had revitalized wa- Jay-Z's career. He revitalized Jay-Z's career. He had walls of gold records and a few platinum joints thrown in, too. But at the end of the day, these symbols of success had someone else's name written on them while his name was scribbled down as a footnote. And if you know anything about Kanye West, you know that he needs to be the one in the spotlight. Which is why he was going to take his name for being a footnote and kick it into the the header. As we mentioned earlier, Kanye had a plan when he moved to New York. He was going to use his beats to get his ugly shoe-wearing foot in the door, and then... (laughs) And then he was going to play his real music for anyone that would listen. Um, but what no one could have guessed was that he kind of meant that uh, literally. In the Netflix documentary Genius, there is a hilarious, cringy, and kind of heartbreaking sequence where the cameraman follows Kanye as he storms into the Rockefeller office and forces anyone who had the misfortune of saying hi to him to listen to his music. And it is painfully clear that no one gives a shit. Oh, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why whenever I send scripts to people, I'm like, I'm so, so sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Please forgive me. Yeah. There are people I have not sent scripts to because I I was like talking about sending a script. I was going to quietly ask them and they're like, I hate when people send me that shit. And I was just like, never mind. There have been times where people have been like, hey, can you show me a clip of your stand up? And I'm like, yeah, I'll send it to you when I'm like not in the state anymore. I will. Yeah, absolutely. I'm yeah. not going to be anywhere near you while you enjoy the thing I create. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you also for being so kind as to read scripts. Yes. I might have mentioned this last week, I do not remember, but people treat Kanye with the same energy as that annoying coworker that you got trapped into a conversation with. The moment that anyone passes by their office, they're like, oh my god, Melissa, come here, I have to ask you something super important. Um, there's one woman who clearly takes a fake phone call, and that is the best, <laughs> it's the most devastating, <laughs> but it's also the best moment of the entire thing. Fake phone call is a classic of mine. Also, fake meeting of like, oh, I have to, I have a thing. I'm oh, so sorry. Fuck. I'm so sorry. I got a 10:30 meeting with my kicking coach. <laughs> oh, I have to go eat string cheese and stare to the middle distance. Excuse me. <laughs> God damn it! I have hiccups. To add insult to injury, as he's doing a sad Charlie Brown walk out of the office. I mean, I. <laughs> I swear to God, you put the fucking music behind his walk. It looks exactly the same. (laughs) I'm picturing him wearing the same coat as George Michael. (laughs) (laughs) He kind of is. (laughs) As he's doing this sad walk out of the office, a few of the founding members of Rockefeller Records come up to him, congratulate him on being the number one producer in hip hop, uh, and then basically go, so... um, 
when are we going to get those beats we asked you for? <laughs> and it is so odd to see Kanye so clearly defeated and broken. Like, it's so weird. Like, when you... Okay, as a quick side note, and again, I think I may have mentioned this before, so I'm sorry if I'm harping again on another point. We know who Kanye is now. Um, right. When you watch this documentary... Kanye knew who Kanye would be in the future. Like, it's clear in his head that he would always become Kanye West fucking superstar. So it's weird knowing where that story ends and seeing him so sure of himself and everyone else just treat him like some random asshole. Like, he is in an office with people being like, I'm Kanye West. And they're like, okay. Uh, yeah. And cool. Kanye West is his own thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and these beats are part of it. Yes. Uh-huh. Eventually, Kanye asked the higher-ups why they were so hesitant to sign him. And they told him that they just didn't think that a rapper-producer would sell. At the time, you sort of filled one role in hip-hop. Producers made beats, rappers spit rhymes, and everyone on both sides was focused on being the best at their craft. The label claimed that a combination artist probably wouldn't sell very well. And to their credit, this was the 90s. I mean, I compiled a list of some contemporary rapper producers from the time, and I'm sure that you've never heard of any of these guys. I mean, I'm talking people like... MF Doom, RZA, <laughs> Pimp C, and some fucking nobody from California named Dr. Dre. I mean, Dr. Dre was the first one I thought of. I was like, you mean like Dr. Dre? Yeah. Okay. Fucking who are these people? I've never heard of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, the point is is that it's clearly not the truth. Like it's clearly provably false even before the early 2000s like this is they're telling him this in 1999 to 2001 ish but like everyone else is doing shit way before that point and doing it well so and if you remember dr dre used to do it dressed as a doctor in a lab coat <laughs> yes he did like yes, a disco doctor god that's what he got his doctorate in funk that's what it was <laughs> Uh, determined to get his record deal one way or another, Kanye started taking meetings with any label that would have him. He met with Most Def's label, and they turned him down. He met with Capitol Records, and they turned him down. In fact, every single record company that took his meeting came up with a reason why they didn't want to sign him. And he was crushed. But luckily, not everyone knew that he was just constantly striking out. Because the reps at Rockefeller, all they saw was that their golden goose was running around taking meetings with every label in New York. And terrified of losing him, they officially signed Kanye West as a new artist at the beginning of 2002. And this was his dream come true moment. He had been signed to one of the biggest labels in the world. He had been co-signed by Jay-Z himself. His debut album was expected to be recorded that year. And finally, everything that he worked for had paid off. So why did it feel so shitty? It didn't take Kanye long to realize that Rockefeller only signed him to keep him complacent. They didn't care about his career. They only cared about his beats. 
In fact, at the press conference where they announced him as a brand new artist, they only spent about 10 minutes talking about him, and one of the representatives didn't know exactly what to say, so they let Kanye come on stage and hype up himself. Yikes. The bulk of the PR event was spent talking about their other new artist, a rapper from Philly named Petey Crack. Uh, and PD is spelled P-E-E-D-I. And I know what you're thinking. PD Crack, that's a dumb name. Well, it's good because he did change his name shortly after to PD PD. Just doubling down on the weirder part of the name. Yeah, yeah. You could have gone Crack Crack and I would have been like, that makes sense. That's good. That's good. That's hot, actually. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, I really he, like that it evokes the sense of crack. Yes. <laughs> I'm getting a lot of crack forward notes on this one, actually. <laughs> Smelling a little cracky. Yeah. Uh, PDPD is an artist that literally neither of us will hear about again until uh, until when this story is over. Like, it's he's he doesn't do anything. And I don't even think his debut album officially comes out. But, uh, yeah, they spent an entire... PR event talking about this guy and Kanye West is just sitting there like huh that's crazy because <laughs> I'm Kanye fucking West <laughs> right feels right, like right. maybe you know what okay whatever so after enough complaining from Kanye the label's founders finally came clean about why they were so hesitant with releasing his music the truth is they weren't sure Kanye was going to sell on a mainstream level and, that, and it, it wasn't just because he was a rapper-producer. It's because at the time, hip-hop was all about gang culture. Rappers talked about dealing drugs, shooting the ops, doing gang shit, and getting away with it. It was clear that the rappers that sell are the ones that know what's going on in the streets. In comparison, Kanye was a middle-class artsy kid from the Midwest who rapped about working at the Gap and how much he loved Jesus. All... <laughs> All very true things, by the way. Those are that's not like I'm not exaggerating. Jesus walks, Lord, show me the way to fold these polos because it's keeping me down. Like, yeah, I get it. Sure, Jesus saves at gap <laughs> 20%. Uh, <laughs> he died for these sales, anyway. Uh. <laughs> Kanye's contemporaries wore oversized tees and Yankees caps while he rocked pink polos and backpacks. Simply put, he didn't fit the vibe check. Even after all he had done to pursue music, they still saw him as a silly little college boy. It was clear that Kanye would never be the priority, and the nail in the coffin was when Rockefeller told him that to work on his album, he had to first start producing albums for three other artists. Uh, that, those artists being Beanie Siegel, the Black Eyed Peas, and Petey Petey. <laughs> okay, but that Black Eyed Peas album, that was fucking huge. Like, I know we all clown on it now, but that album was huge. That's Elefunk, right? I'm pretty sure it's whatever yeah. they would have been recording in yeah. uh, 2001 or 2002. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe it's Elefunk. Yep, 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 yep. It is Elefunk. Which, by the way, 90% of, of Black Eyed Peas hits come from that album. Fuck. 
I said, yeah. you're right. That is a good album. I know. It's like we all laugh about like their la- their later stuff gets weird. But yeah. that album, whoo, especially at the time, there was nothing like that. People fucking loved it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, I, I guess the, the one of the points that I'm trying to convey here, by the way, is that like Petey Petey outshines him at his own press event. And then they basically go, you can't work on your album until you finish Petey Petey's album. Gross. And uh, they were forcing him to put his career on pause to help him out. That's like fucking salt in a wound that sucks ass. But devastated, Kanye saw no other way to get his shot, so he agreed. He packed up his shit, he moved to Los Angeles, and he started the grind again. He spent long, endless days in the recording studios, helping other artists live their dreams, and then he spent all night secretly working on his own music. He was basically back to where he started. I mean, he it was like doing the telemarketer shit, where you're working these long fucking shifts, and then spending staying up all night so that you can do the stuff that you actually want to do. But in between one of those endless days and unbelievably long nights, his life would change forever. On October 23rd, 2002, Kanye was driving back to his hotel from the studio at about 3 a.m. Feeling tired and overworked, he fell asleep behind the wheel of his rented Lexus and crashed head-on into another vehicle. His jaw was shattered, his mouth needed to be wired shut, and facial reconstructive surgery was deemed necessary. However, the only thing that Kanye was upset about was finding out that his album was put on hiatus so that he could have time to recover. He was devastated. Spending day after day just sitting around his hotel room, Kanye started to come to a realization. Life is short. You can die at any second, and so far he had spent an ungodly amount of seconds helping other people achieve their dreams while his got delayed. And Rockefeller was right. He didn't grow up in the projects. He didn't sell crack. He didn't shoot his own brother at the age of 12. He didn't stab a guy and get shot a total of three times. And uh, these are all very real things that Jay-Z did, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All very real. Mm -hmm. Shot his own brother at the age of 12. Fucking crazy. Um, Anyway. And stabbed a guy. (laughs) Never forget Jay-Z stabbed a guy. And cheated on Beyonce. Oh, yeah. Never forget those two things together. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, But even though he didn't go through any of that, he still believed that he had a message that anyone could relate to. You need to make your own decisions. Don't let society tell you this is what you have to do. And if Rockefeller wouldn't help him, he would take it into his own hands. Only two weeks after the nearly fatal car crash that brought his career to a standstill, Kanye recorded the song Through the Wire. Over a pitched-up Shaka Khan sample, Kanye rapped with his mouth still wired shut about the crash, the aftermath, and how hard he's worked to achieve his dream of becoming a rapper. Which, again, pretty hard to dispute, since he made the song with a broken jaw while his mouth was wired shut. And honestly, I mean, like, I know it's tough to enjoy his music because he's an awful person, but at the time, that song slapped and no one heard anything like it. Song was fucking killer. It was fucking killer, but this was also in the days before SoundCloud and DistroKid, so you couldn't just throw your music up on fucking iTunes and Spotify and all that shit because they didn't exist. 
If you wanted to release a single, you needed a label. So Kanye knew that he needed to get the song approved by Rockefeller Records. In order to sweeten the deal, Kanye uh, reached out to his friend and documentarian, Cootie. Uh, Cootie is the guy who followed Kanye West for all those years, just sort of like filming everything. Um, and that's the footage that would eventually become the Netflix documentary series, Genius, by the way. Uh, it's just because this guy who used to be a stand-up comedian was like, I want to follow this Kanye guy around. I think he's got some pretty interesting stuff going on. And uh, thank you. <laughs> thank goodness. Honestly, yeah. It's If you've ever wanted to see endless hours of footage of Kanye with cornrows and braces, boy, do I have the documentary for you. <laughs> So, Cootie used footage from the days leading up to the crash, some footage from after the crash, and a bunch of Polaroid pictures of Kanye's fucked up face and totaled car to create an artsy film school style music video for Through the Wire, which is honestly one of the coolest videos I've ever seen, and I, I think you should check it out if you haven't seen it I before. have seen it, because it played on TV all the time at the time, and I was in high school at the time. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, if, you, if you out there have not seen it, go check it out. I mean, eh, trigger warning a little bit, because again, it does have pictures of his fucked up face, and it is... Yeah intense but it is still it's a really interesting music video especially if you're familiar with other music videos at the time um which by the way the most popular music video at the time was avril lavigne's girlfriend Ooh. Mm-hmm. yeah with a banger single a crazy new music video and a clear new artistic direction for his debut album kanye approached his label reps and proudly displayed his work unfortunately the label was still hesitant. The song was essentially a comedic take on surviving a car crash that included lyrics about drinking a boost for breakfast and an ensure for dessert. Uh, and it was hard to take Kanye seriously as a rapper when he rapped about spending Christmas cash at the Toys R Us as a kid. On top of that, the video was very experimental for hip-hop at the time. If Rockefeller was going to make a music video, they wanted to do like a classic early 2000s video. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, like the, yes. I the, exactly know what you're talking about. The blue wall covered blue, in yes. light bulbs for yep. some reason. Yep. Trash bag outfits. It's, oh, yeah. It's either blue, green, or orange. Yep. And it's like a whole club is one color. And then it's like gr dancing girls that we today like would be way too thin for a music video today yep. in bikinis dancing around yes mm -hmm. yeah, i remember yeah, yeah, them yeah, vividly yeah, yeah, yeah. yes big butts light bulbs and uh when, when by the way when Paige says trash bag outfits she's not insulting them they no, appear they to be like made trash, out of bags. trash bags yes yes it's uh, so I, do you remember the diddy video in front of the light wall with the yes. like i know you can't see me because it's in the dark <laughs> but i'm doing the dance and you know what it is i absolutely i didn't even have to look at you to know what you, you knew. were doing you knew oh my god <laughs> with like a prominent oh. vodka company displayed in the back like absolute oh yeah funded so many of those music videos 
Yeah, if Rockefeller was going to do a music video, they had to pop bottles of a champagne that would later go on to be very adamant about hating black people and then completely lose business. Yep. I'm talking about Cristal. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google yep. Cristal, hip-hop, Jay-Z. It's fucking crazy. It's nuts. It's nuts. But I, I do remember that. Uh, and then, yeah, and, and absolute later Grey Goose. But, mm -hmm. it, like... It's all the same video. You could watch them back to back to back to back to back, and there's so little change between the videos. I want to I want to bring it back, but I don't want to get sponsored by like fancy liquor. I want like Kessler. I want Kessler <laughs> to sponsor <laughs> sponsor my video. Also, in case you don't know what Kessler is, it's whiskey flavored high grain spirit alcohol or something. Like yeah. it's legally not whiskey even. Right. Uh, it comes in a plastic bottle. A lot of people say, you know how people will be like, this is a good sipping whiskey. Oh, no. Uh, Kessler is a good chugging in a parking lot whiskey. Gross. Oh, yeah, baby. Now it is painful. Here's the other thing that is happening around this time, music-wise, because you either have the like blue, orange, green bar mm. music video, or you start to see the Dirty South music videos with Timbaland, where... People are riding on tractors and mud wrestling and singing in parking lots. And the, those videos are all the same, too, which is kind of funny. But yeah. yeah, I've always wanted to start a podcast just about hip hop history because like I'd love to get into that. I especially love the beef between like, you know, East Coast, West Coast has their beef. And around this time, basically, this is when like Outkast won an award and got up there and was like fucking everyone's talking about east coast west coast fucking the south baby fucking the south atlanta atl motherfucker and just starts like yelling at people it's fucking awesome dude it is awesome and all the music coming out of atlanta at that time is fucking great oh yeah atlanta hip-hop is uh, unbeatable in my opinion the dirty south i mean all of this uh, fucking everything from new orleans everything from atl like all of that shit is the best in my opinion yeah Okay, sorry. Getting back no, to it. <laughs> Tangent. <laughs> Even after all of his hard work, Kanye got the same note. Mainstream audiences just weren't ready for some preppy college kid to come in and make hip-hop artsy. So again, Kanye took matters into his own hands. He paired Through the Wire with another song that he'd recorded with most deaf, Talib Kweli, and fellow Rockefeller artist Freeway, and dropped it as a mixtape. And to pretty much everyone's surprise, except maybe to Kanye's, the streets loved it. Radio stations picked up the song, hype for an incoming album started to build, and finally, Rockefeller caved and helped Kanye officially release the single. And the rest is history. Through the Wire debuted at 94 on the Billboard Hot 100 and then peaked at number 15 for five weeks straight. Initially... There were issues clearing the Shaka Khan sample, but that was cleared up after Shaka's son ranted and raved about how amazing the music video was, and she was like, well, if my son likes it, I guess I can't really stop it. Uh, Kanye took all of the music he had recorded from 1999 to 2003, including Through the Wire, and put together an album that centered around always choosing your own path and never letting anyone tell you what to do. He also came up with the perfect title, The College Dropout. 
Kanye's debut album was released to widespread critical acclaim. It is still regarded as one of the best hip-hop albums and is even credited with shifting the mainstream focus of rap away from gangster rap and steering it more towards a resurgence of, quote, conscious hip-hop, end quote. That's like basically saying Kanye paved the way for people like J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar, who, yeah, they still talk about gang culture, but not in the we're proud of being gangsters, but in a what are we doing kind of way, sort of a more reflective sense of hip hop. Um, it's also worth noting that uh, uh, people don't credit Kanye with inventing sampling or soul centric beats. They also don't credit him with inventing uh, uh, conscious hip hop, but they do credit him with making the first very well packaged mainstream offering of those styles which is something that kanye does extremely well he basically takes other people's ideas and figures out how to package them ex extremely well and then puts them out for a mainstream audience to enjoy the album tackles everything from christianity to his sexuality to minimum wage labor and institutional prejudice but if you listen to what Kanye's saying, it's mostly an album about how he's always been right and no one has the ability to tell him what to do. Song after song, Kanye takes on the role of a persecuted man, whether it's because of his religion, his fashion sense, or even the very true story that we just covered of the industry not believing in him. But it also set a very dangerous precedent that we'll see time and time again. Kanye was a nobody. But this album transformed him into a star. Moving forward, Kanye would craft albums with a purpose. And I don't just mean like, I don't just mean that he made like concept albums or anything. I Which mean he that, does though. <laughs> oh yeah, he does. And he does extraordinarily well. What I mean is that anytime Kanye releases an album, he is setting out to change the world around him. Not necessarily as an artist, but with a very purposeful a uh, 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 goal in mind with the college dropout he wanted to show everyone that they were wrong and that he was the superstar that he always thought he was and this attitude does not end well for Kanye West and that is where we will pick up next week with the third installment of our series on Kanye wow that's crazy and I it's it's crazy a I bought that album at the time. So like I have a copy of it somewhere. It's crazy to hear about stuff that you lived through and vividly remember as like, ah, yes, a simpler time. So I think it'll get even weirder as we get closer and closer to modern day. I absolutely uh, agree with you, by the way. I, I, I think that like, I know a lot of hip hop history because like, I really like researching this stupid shit because I'm a fucking idiot. But, like, it's so great to learn the ins and outs and the stories behind some of your favorite albums. And, like, we definitely will learn why he did certain stuff. Uh, and it'll make more sense sort of next week. Uh, before we go, just as a quick little thing. Um, this album won, I believe, Best Rap Album. Hold on. Yeah, that year. Yeah, it did. Yeah, let me... Because it was in 2005... And I, I want to say Best New Artist, maybe. I think it was up for it. I don't know if it won. Uh, college Dropout fucking did gangbusters. It was amazing. And uh, not that the Grammys mean fucking anything. Um, they don't. But at the time, they were a big status symbol. And uh, I just looked it up. 
Kanye was nominated for Best New Artist of the Year. Didn't win, but it was nominated. Who uh, beat him, by the way? Uh, I can look it up. That's 2001 or 2005. 2005. Best. Yeah. John Legend. All right. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair Uh, enough. Jesus Walks was nominated for Song of the Year, but it won Best Rap Song. Uh, uh, He was nominated for uh, Album... (laughs) Sorry, hold on. I'll get there in a second. Uh, Best Rap or Sung Collaboration went to... uh, He was nominated twice on his album for All Falls Down and Slow Jams with Jamie Foxx. He won Best R&B Song... As a songwriter, he he was nominated for best rap solo performance for Through the Wire, uh, and he had two nominations for uh, album of the year, both with uh, the College Dropout and as the producer for the Diary of Alicia Keys. Um, but he did win best rap album in two thousand and five, and I want to read you the uh, the I transcript. Just I just wait. Yeah. Did you read did you read who won Song of the Year that year? Uh no. <laughs> okay, go ahead. What is it? Boulevard of Broken Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Something I listened to oh. earlier today, but we on this show has a history of being a famous fuck song. But, yeah, a yeah. famous fuck song. Yeah, 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 yeah. And also mm-hmm. uh, the same 50-year-olds that you watched jump around on stage. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. So when Kanye uh, won Best Rap... Oh, I'm sorry. Rap- this is the year after. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. I have the transcript here from uh, 2005 when Kanye won the Grammy for Best Rap Album, and I just want to read it to you. Uh, because it ends with the most iconic line possible but he goes y'all might as well get the music ready because this finna take a while when i had my accident i found out at that moment that nothing in life is promised except death if you have the opportunity to play this game of life you need to appreciate every moment a lot of people don't appreciate their moment until it's passed and then you got to tell all those al bundy stories you remember when i But right now is my time and my moment. Thanks to my fans. Thanks to the accident. Thanks to God. Thanks to Rockefeller, Jay-Z, Dame Dash, G, my mother, Rhymefest, everyone that's helped me. And I plan, I plan to celebrate. I plan to celebrate and scream and pop champagne every chance I get because I'm at the Grammys, baby. And I know everybody asked the question. Everyone wanted to know. Kanye. I know he's going to wild out. I know he's going to do something crazy. Everybody wanted to know what I'd do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. (laughs) (laughs) But also, think about that and think about a few years later when he interrupts Taylor Swift. (laughs) Yeah, at the VMAs. Yeah. uh, It is. That will 100% be coming up next week. And... uh, yeah, that is one of my most favorite lines of any Grammy accepted speech. Everybody wanted to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll, guess never, we'll know. never know. Never <laughs> know. Woo, baby. That's it's great. fucking amazing. So, yes, that is part two of our series. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Hey, 
If you like me and you want more of me, you can find me on social media at Mondo Does Stuff. That's M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff, all one word. That's on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitch. I'm going to start Twitch streaming more. I know I keep saying that, but I've gotten really into producing songs from wild random internet videos uh and i'm trying to convince Paige to do a long play civilization 6 gameplay with me uh where i'm we... just terrible at games like that. i'll play the game you just gotta help me make the decisions okay 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 uh and yeah uh just check me out i put i post show dates on instagram again that's at mondo does stuff m-a-n-d-o does stuff all one word and yeah, go watch uh, Face Jam's Trucked Up on Rooster Teeth. It's a fucking killer show. I love it. And go watch Must Be Dice on YouTube. We're in the middle of... We're almost at the end of the second season. Holy shit. Anyway, good shows. Have fun. Love you. Good night. Mwah. Hey, uh, it's me here to kick your ears with fun <laughs> stuff. <laughs> um. I uh, will be out of the country for a good portion of the rest of the year. Uh, you can follow and see pictures of that uh, on Instagram and TikTok at Rampage Wesley or on Twitter at Page Wesley. And if you need your ears kicked with more of my voice, you could listen to Horror Virgin and Romancing the Pod. Uh, and if you were wondering what I would do if I didn't have too many podcasts and slept a bunch, I guess we'll never fucking know. <laughs> and hey, if you want to help support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast. Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram, you can at cult podcast. Or on Twitter at cult podcast show for as long as Twitter lasts. <laughs> yeah, you can also send us an email to cult podcast show at gmail.com. Or if you have a shoe that you have kicked somebody with, I mean, preferably a bad somebody. You know what? If you have a shoe and you want to kick us, don't keep it on your foot. Send it to us and then we'll just hit ourselves with the shoe. Uh, but you could send that to 3756 <laughs> West Avenue 40, Sweet K, number 237, like, like the, the shining. shining, Los Angeles, California, 90065. Kicking capital of the world. <laughs> you heard it here. Oh. And I think for this one, I'm going to say don't drink Cristal. Don't drink Cristal, baby. And don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye.